but hey, Alex, how you doing? Hey, Chris, how's it going today, man? Well, we we want to give everyone fair warning. Uh, today on Tell the Damn Story, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to tell the damn story of what people are actually going through with the coronavirus. You know, and we're not, it's not politics. I know that there's a rising portion of the country that are saying this is overblown or it's this or it's that. We're not, we're, we can't deal with that part. That's not what we're going to argue about. What we are going to do is talk to you about first and second hand accounts of real people and real suffering. Mm-hmm. And we hope that um, this, uh, this episode heals. You know, sometimes you got to talk about it, and sometimes you got to bring it up. So yep. I'm going to try, and I'm going to try not to cry. But you know, one of the things, one of the symptoms, uh, one of the symptoms of this uh, quarantine and stuff is that I notice my um, my emotions are closer to the surface. All of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. crowded on the surface. There. Mm-hmm. All right, so. One of the things we were talking about before we got on the air, Alex, was, um, you know, how, how Facebook has changed. You know, um, some days it's like going into a crowded wake. You know, I've, I've found myself four, six, ten, twelve times. Sorry for your loss. My condolences. Our my best wishes good. and prayers for yeah. a quick recovery. I mean, it's friends from the old, you know, the old neighborhood. It's colleagues. It's a couple of times current students, but they don't really, they're not on Facebook, but you, you hear it through a second or third party. Right. Um, but high a lot of my buddies, alumni, a lot of my former students yeah. high that I've chosen school. to stay in contact. One of my high contact. school buddies just lost his son. Oh. Yeah, and the last thing that any of us want to do is, is bury our children. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> That's rough, and you know we can't get to our loved ones. If that's the insidious and thing about this. Yes, yes. The first week or two, you know, okay, all right, we'll make a call on we'll Facebook. But I'll give you an example from my family. My uh, my sister got God love her. She takes uh, the lead with my mom, who has got dementia, and we have her in a um, facility over here by us. But they locked that facility down uh, pretty early. So mm-hmm. it, the impact there, less people have gotten sick than in some of the other senior homes uh, mm-hmm. out here in Jer- northern Jersey. But um, we can't see her, you know. So um, this young nurse who is with her, you know, said, um, well, you know what you should do? You should FaceTime her. My sister was all over that. All right, let's do this. So the woman sets up a laptop or a iPad or something in front of my mom and Jane's face appears, my old sister's uh, face appears and it confuses the hell out of my mother because the last tech my mother was involved with was like a flip phone oh my or a cell phone she's never been on social media she has no idea what that is, you know and um. then She's looking at an image, not she doesn't have the cell, the smells, the, the sensations, the movements that you would get if you're in front of somebody. So she mistook. Sometimes she knew it was Jane. Sometimes she thought it was her sister. Sometimes it was, you know, and um, 
it's disorienting and it's it's un- unfortunate, you know. And other people have gone and visited. A writer friend of ours, uh, he had a birthday, and uh, one of his best friends. And was, I'm not going to name his name because I, I I don't have permission. But one of his best friends came and knocked on his window and had brought cupcakes and stuff like that and left them there. But they couldn't hug. They couldn't, you know, whatever their traditional thing is, you know. Um, we're, use, we're, we're losing a lot of the humanity. You know, my son takes the dog for a walk and goes over to see my sister. They have to talk a full lawn away in masks, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I think, you know, in talking about it and acknowledging it, you know, when, you are, when you're on Facebook and you're on your fourth or fifth condolence, you're not alone. And it's, well, it's to me, it's almost like walking through uh, either an office building or a mall where every door you pass is another group of people that you get to say this to, you know, whether it's the office of people whose loved one just went in or someone who's just passed or someone who's uh, isolated because they think they might or someone who's struggling to get tested, but there's no test available or someone blah, 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 blah. And, and yeah, you get that. And, you know, as creatives, I, you know, I always try and make sure that I relate what we do, even though this is not how to tell the damn story. It's tell the damn story. It's, a, it's the damn story that's being told. Right. Exactly. To it, and it's a thing. It's a thing of how it affects creatives, how it affects, especially, you know, uh, people who are sensitive, whether you, whether you write or do anything artistic or not. If you're sensitive to emotions, you're sensitive to the energy around you, you're observant even. Uh, this kind of consistent wave of these emotions and, and uncertainties and pain, you know, it, it has an effect on you. And I think one of the things you brought up uh, early, you know, today, before we started recording, was one of the impacts that you felt a lot of this had on you uh, and that you, you, you're, coming, you're coming out of that a little bit, I think you said, or at least you had a breakthrough of some sort. Oh, but, you're talking about the writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm not alone. I mean, I, I've no, listened to no, so many no. writer podcasts or writer, you know, read writers' interviews or even tweets. Um, writers, filmmakers, um, yeah. actors, musicians, you know. Yeah. Um, if you have to. Having a hard time getting the engine going. Yeah, if, if creating is what you do in whatever the medium, whatever the art form, that means you create something, you make something out of nothing, which means you have to pull from somewhere. You have to be inspired by something, your energy, your heart, your mind, your, your joy or, or pain or sorrow, all of those things you tap into. And when you have an abundance of one thing more so than the others, yeah, sometimes I can just plug the whole thing right up. Well, yeah, and you know, this is such a huge, huge event in our world history mm-hmm. that um, the stories we were working on, the song we were work, was working on, you know, film that we were producing or whatever. Choreography, yeah, whatever. The problem becomes in relation to all this, does my project still matter? You know, and that's what I think is kicking a lot of us, you know, right in the knee. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know what? It still matters because people are running to story and they're running to music and they're running to television 
as a as as an escape from this, you know. Um, actual sales of new things are down at the moment. We're going to talk about that in a little while, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to the sources that I heard. Anyway, um, but in conversation and in texting and you know checking in with old college buddies, I had a long conversation with an old college buddy yesterday. How you doing and all that stuff, and then eventually it comes to, what are you reading to get through? Because mm-hmm. you know, and uh, he was, you know, he finds himself deep into uh, the crime genre. <laughs> and he says he wants, <laughs> I he hear wants that. the early stuff. He doesn't want the, you know, uh, once you're a big millionaire stuff. It's the first couple of books when you were still trying to make it, you know. And yeah, and and I understand that completely. And for those who are who are who are going to see some sort of visual of this, um, my reading since March uh, has been Robert Parker Spencer for my my crime detective thing. Uh, a, a, a dear friend of mine who used to also be my editor, a woman named Susan Laurie. I think I mentioned her Wanda Season Good and the Mostly True Secrets. That's a children's book, it's a children's novel. I read that because it just came out, and I enjoyed that. And now I'm rereading. Uh, Mr. Churchill's Secretary by Susan McNeil. Move it over a little bit. We couldn't see it. Okay. Uh, Mr. Churchill's Secretary by Susan McNeil. And (coughs) this is a murder mystery set in 1940s London. You know, just before, you know, the the, the Blitz and all that. So, I mean, I'm pulling from, and I'm getting comics and graphic novels in there too. But yeah, you pull from a lot of things. You watch old films, you watch things that either take you away or give you some sort of distraction or maybe even help focus your mind a bit more on creativity or learning something. Like I'm also reading um, uh, some business books, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to increase my knowledge of something because you need to keep taking things in. Isaac, um, Ray Bradbury, rather, when I first spoke to him some years ago, uh, he said it, Isaac Asimov said it, and a couple of other writers, oh, and even Jeremy Britt, the, uh, the British actor who played Sherlock Holmes, all said, I have to fill myself up with material, with information, with, 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 with life, in order to have some fuel to then portray or write or create. Yeah. So, you I, know, um, Apollo doesn't help us. Yeah. It's true, but... Um, so... Oh. Craving conversation, especially conversation about creativity and that kind of stuff, and uh, that led me to something that happened yesterday. And oh. um, because I finally got that breakthrough with writing, and I was writing, I missed it live, but it's on YouTube. I want there's this kind of um, East Pennsylvania uh, collective of horror writers. Macara writers and fascinating stuff. You know, they're all hybrids, you know, uh, traditionally published, self-published, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, Brian Keane is one of the big names there. Um, uh, Mary San Giovanni, a, a bunch of people. Um, one, of the, they, they, uh, one of the things I listen to is uh, The Horror Show with Brian Keane. And it's got him and Mary and a bunch of other people. That's and the a woman named it's podcast, yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm recommending it, even though it's, it may take people away from listening to us. Um, but one of the people who is there occasionally is a woman named Kelly Owen. 
And yesterday she hosted seven hours of content that is on YouTube. And if you go to at Kelly Owens, K-E-L-L-I-O-W-E-N-S, I believe, you can get the link to it. And it was, it's called uh, CoronaCon. Now, you might say, oh, wow, that's, a, that's a, a mean joke. But they were supposed to do this weekend one of the two uh, scares that cares cons. They do one over, I think it's the Pennsylvania way, I'm not sure. That's but the benefit, other one is, isn't it? It's a benefit, yeah. And the other one is in Wisconsin. And um, all these horror writers and stuff uh, show up and, you know, they'll sign things and talk to people and they do some fun activities. But all of it's a fundraiser. And they try to have the goal is about 30,000. And um, it goes to help the uh, medical costs and, and other costs of like three people who. Um, fit the criteria one is you know a burn victim one is uh, you know what i'm, I'm not going to guess after that because it would be disrespectful so i don't want to okay. do that but if you know if you're looking some of it was uh author readings of stories that was some mm-hmm. really surprising uh short you know short form fiction uh from some of the authors but there was mostly panels um and it was especially for for creatives who are trying to establish themselves or thinking about collaborating, you know, you and I have collaborated, um, and so on. There's uh, more panels too. But man, uh, I was up like 4:30 this morning, and I put in about two or three hours with that. Uh, that kind of stuff can, you know, can heal, or at least it's helping me. So I wanted to recommend it as uh, something that might help uh, some let of the creatives. Me, let me probe that just a, a little notch more. Hey, hey now. Here, I'll behave. <laughs> It's a little not just, yeah. Um, you said ah, it's, okay. it's helping <laughs> you, Doug. It's, it's helping you. How? Yeah. How is it helping? Because it's, you know, it's the conversations I want to have, but you can't have because you're not around everybody as much. You can't go out to a con. You know, you can't watch a panel. Um, so these things are helpful, you know. Um, it's a facsimile of the life that I used to lead and the life that I want to lead again, mm-hmm. you know, and it's also, you know, uh, um, who was it? It was one of, the, one of the great comedians. Um, they were talking about, you know, you weren't really that good early in your career. He said, it didn't make a difference. Oh, I think it was Seinfeld. He said, I just wanted to be in that room. I didn't care about being paid. I didn't care about killing. I wanted to kill. But if I died, I didn't make a difference. I wanted to be in the room. I wanted These to be working. Way, folks. Yeah, yeah. I want. I wanted to be working the same way those people are working. And I feel so strongly uh, that that's true for me. I want to be among that number. I want to be, you know, uh, that level of success. And not a single one of them are, uh, you know peeling off the million dollar bills that's not you know they're they're making um some are working other jobs which i have done some are now establishing that they can make their whole living uh through writing god bless them and 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 that's where i want to be i want to be able to walk into a place like that and belong i want to be um the kind of writer that uh can talk to other writers on equal you know on equal ground and um I mean, there's, I, have, I have pretty good pedigree now, and it's growing and all that sort of stuff. 
but uh, I know where my goal is. So yeah, when I hear those conversations, um, when I look at some of the other cons that I attend, you know, when I'm on a panel at Deadly Inc. or uh, or uh, some of the other places that we go to, um, or interviewing those authors, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. That's, you know, uh, that's, again, that's, that's what I want to do. That's where I want to be. So it makes me feel more alive. And I think we all hunger for that. We are definitely, you know, I mean, I know some people who are reclusive and so forth and so on. That happens. But overall, <laughs> we, we are we are human animals. We we crave the company of our own, our own. And and the reality of being separated on not only the level of I can't even, you know, as I walk down the street and I see my neighbor of 30 years, I can't go and shake his hand or hug her, see how you do it. Can't do it. That's bothersome. When you can't <coughs> people that you love who are sick and, and need that comfort, they can't get to you, you can't get to them. That pulls and that hurts and that stresses. And so, yes, we seek companionship. We seek company. We seek, I mean, I would love to just be holding, you know, somebody's hand sometimes under those circumstances. Um, but you can't do that. And I think that's one of the things that, that many of us are struggling with is being a part, you know, where somebody's dealing with cancer or some of the other more uh, terrible and familiar diseases, you can go to the hospital and be with that person, visit them, you know, and all that, and, and, and comfort them, comfort them. And this one, this You're one not has a terrible efficiency. Yeah. And jumping from one to the other. I it's, want to review. It's almost like possession. It is. Before we move on, I want to review two things. One, the conversation about Facebook and social media and all that stuff. If it starts to get to you, understand the importance of saying that. Even if you've seen 15 other people say it, everybody who puts that empathetic comment helps heal that person, helps mm. let them know they're not alone. And remind yourself that that's what that's for. Yeah. Two, if you're creative, go and seek these things like the, the Corona Con or so many other things. As a matter of fact, we're going to segue to something that Alex is doing, uh, which is very, you know, in a similar vein, you know. Um, last night there was a play or replay, I don't know if it was the first time or second time, of... Um, an event of creative creatives uh, playing from their homes for uh, for the benefit of the public and to they had already raised a phenomenal amount of money for the first line of defense, you know, and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Among them was you know the three talk show hosts at night co-hosted it. That was pretty cool. That unity, you know, um, and then the four remaining original or semi-original. Uh, members of the Rolling Stones, <laughs> they they got on a Zoom and they did uh, "Can't Always Get What You Want." Yeah, you know when Mick started it, and then Keith came in, and then uh, um, who's the other guy? Uh, Ronnie Wood, and then there was a blank box where it just said Charlie, and I'm like, all right, come on, Charlie, come on, and then at the end of the first verse or first chorus. There, there was Charlie, the drummer. Now these guys are in their seventies. Someone is doing the, the, the technology for them. But it was really cool to see that they not only had Carmela Cabello and all the new acts, but they had some old geezers for us as well. And it was kind of a cool moment, you know. But yeah, I thought they would have it, done. I miss you. 
<laughs> yeah, but, they, but their bass player retired, so you know they oh, can't do yeah, a okay. bass-heavy song, right? Oh. Um, but it's that moment of feeling that connection yeah. that that creatives should remember in any way you can do it. And this Corona uh, Con was something worth seeing. Uh, a lot of other people are reading different stuff that's worth seeing. And coming up was uh, pretty soon. Uh, Alex is, uh, came up came up with a solution for how to have a kids comic con when you can't have a con. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was it was um, when we had to cancel. <coughs> you know, the kids comic con is every year for the past. This would have been our fourteenth year, live and in person. Um, and and of course, in March, early March, we had to cancel it, uh, which you know was very distressing. On, on an ego, personal level, because I enjoy doing these things. And I know uh, some of my friends and, and volunteers, and they have a good time. So, but I said, no, you know, for the for health and obviously good reasons, let's cancel it. So we did. And I'm sitting there for like days going, uh, uh, you know, there's got to be, there's got to be, there's got to be. And while I was trying to convince myself, let it go, this is for the better, you know, the, the, the greater good and all that. I'm hearing these reports about, you know, okay, the kids can't go to school. The kids are now getting homeschooled. The kids can't go out and play with their friends. One child was thinking, they started doing Zoom classes. And one, I think is an elementary school, maybe kindergarten or first grade student, was thinking that the teacher was in a room with all the other kids and he was alone. Oh, that's That's how he was seeing this, you know? And I'm thinking, ah, come on. And there's Mm. no school programs, everything. I, I eventually heard from a friend of mine who started one via Zoom with his school. But overall, the kids were getting basically screwed. And I thought, okay, there's got to be a way we can do this. And I started talking to my team, and we knew it could be virtual, but we weren't sure how we wanted to put it all together. It took a, it took a couple of weeks of mapping it out. But finally, after several meetings, we have it. We're, um, it's going to be April 25th. It's going to be a Facebook Live event. So we figured... Facebook, almost everybody and his mother, or somebody you know, has a Facebook account. So Except it's... my mother, as we established well, earlier we'll in this show. By Saturday, <laughs> so she, can, she can be there, right? But we said, we'll, we'll make sure the event itself through Facebook is, is available. But we're going to be controlling it through another platform. And we have artists lined up to do demos and workshops and panels. And we have uh, some puppeteers and other performers who are going to do things. We're going to have tips and things and we're we're arranging it in a way that will as you used the word a moment ago uh, uh create a facsimile of the entering a comic-con and 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 choosing where you want to go and having something live happening right there at that moment uh to, to grab the attention or you can wander over too so this will be the kids comic-con next next uh next weekend uh next april uh 25th from 10 to 12 on facebook and, and the links promotions will be there but All right, we, so spread the word, everybody. And we're also doing it, you know, because it is online. There's no reason for it to be just a local experience. We'll go anywhere. Right. You can go anywhere. So that's what we're up to. But, you know, again, people, like you were saying about the CoronaCon and some of these other things, people are doing this. They've jumped on technology to use it to create, um, I'm going to use the marketing word, content. But another word, to create events, moments, programming, uh, something that you can go to and connect to someone or listen to other human beings expressing themselves or, like you said, reading or whatever, to create that connection so that even though we're sequestered, 
it gets across the feeling that you're not alone. You can yeah, go yeah. here, here, and here to see that you're not alone. You're not and, you're forgotten, you know, and that's that's so important. And maybe it inspires, and maybe it, you know, as something comes out of it that is creative for you. And and like we were talking about just before, you know, just before, if you find as a creative that you you can't get your juices going, don't beat yourself up. A lot of people are doing that. A lot of people are having a hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, lower the word count expectation or, or the, you know, song, uh, singing practice you do or the, you know, whatever, whatever your process is, whatever your particular art is, uh, reduce the expectation of the day and just do a little, just to, uh, it's my time. I just need a little my time and, and let yourself go with that. You may need a, a walk around the block or you may need some meditation and some self care and that's fine too. Um, and if you, you know, if you're saying, well, you know, in the face of this, what are my efforts have, you know, why, you know, what, what mm-hmm. do they matter? There's, there are millions out there for whom it's going to matter. Yeah, absolutely. You know? and, and I mean, I'm not saying that everyone is guaranteed to meet all those millions, you know, my work hasn't gotten to all the millions that I would like it to get to, right? But that's not we don't sit down with the end game. We sit down with the inspiration yeah. and then we apply discipline and move on. Let me, um, let me share it. Yeah, yeah, just share. Um, 2001, um, I was, uh, you know, I, I have this character. So those of you who are new to the show, uh, I created this character called blackjack, uh, African-American soldier of fortune in the 1930s. And Chris over the years has written some of them either independent or with me as well. And so, 2000, I was, I had some of the comics were out and I was doing some other work with it. And I was hired to write the Sunday strip of Tarzan. And so I did like the first two storylines, you know, and, and they're installments. So you, you get to do this for like, you know, uh, 20 some odd weeks. And I'd done for, and the editor came to me and said, would you be interested in doing a crossover between your Blackjack character and Tarzan? And, you know, <sighs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, I don't think so. I would, I wouldn't want to, you know, mess up my 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 IP with. No, that's not exactly what I said. I said win, and so I I got to do this. how how high would you like me to jump? Yeah, right. <laughs> it was a thing of you know the the legalities were to make sure that both sides, my side and their side, was clear that you own what you own, I own what I own, and there's nobody taking anything from the other, and that was fine. Mm. Once we got through that. I came up with this pitch, and I'll tell you why the story came to me. I came up with this pitch for the story. I got an okay, started writing it, 9-11 hit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're devastated, especially here in New York, because that's that's where it happened. Um, I can still remember a lot of the events of that day, especially where it affected my children and my, my, my wife and family. And... I, after a week or so, I'm looking at the, pop, the plot I came up with and the stuff that I started writing, and it involves, um, again, the, the, the storyline takes place in the 30s, but it involves this, this guy who's created something that could, is taking lives, hundreds of lives. And I'm thinking, should I do this story at this time? Considering what just happened, should I be doing a story about, in effect, a mass murderer? And I'm thinking, gee, maybe I shouldn't. I should back off of this. I should come up with something lighter and whatever, whatever. And I went to the editor. 
who uh, is just not only a great editor, but just an amazing human being. But since I don't have her permission to drop her name, I will just simply mm-hmm. say thank you. Uh, but I went to her, and she looked me in the eye very calmly, very professionally, and she said, of course you should. And I'm thinking, yeah, but she's, no, 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 no. The fact that you don't write about it isn't going to make what happened go away. The fact that this has happened before, that there are people like that out there, isn't going to go away if you don't write the story. The fact that you are writing a story about people trying to prevent this, fighting against this sort of thing, trying to heal, trying to save lives, that's important. Yep. I went, damn, she's, damn, you're good. You know? And of course, I now again, that's not this huge novel that, that won prizes. And all. It's, a, it's a daily Sunday comic strip with two fictional characters running around kicking butt and taking names and trying to save lives. But the fact the material was there for someone to read, the material was there to distract or inspire or just tickle, whatever. And it was something, something uplifting, if you will, yeah. in a small way. And those things have to count. They, they do matter. Some people love this particular song. When they hear it, it makes them feel good or it brings back yeah. these great memories or they see a particular performance of something and they're lifted, you know, just a little bit higher. And so we got to remember that as creatives, that's a part of what we do, even if that's not what we set out there. We're like, we don't sit down to uplift the masses. We sit down to tell this really good story or, or design mm-hmm. this great structure or whatever, but it has its effect on the audience. And we shouldn't forget that. I want to segue there to a bit of nonfiction that we read this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and salute again one of the creatives that uh, we know you know him better than I do but I have a lot of respect ah, yep. for him no, he's always been very nice to me every time he doesn't know me for yeah, anyone he's very about, nice. you're gone but uh, uh, to your face he's great no. that's right well I can understand that you know <laughs> who the hell was that guy no he's, um, he's, he's straightforward with everybody yeah go ahead but I would encourage people you know again part of the healing process is bearing witness mm-hmm. you mm. know and shared experience. That's part of the healing process. And Joe Illich, uh, he of comic book fame, be it Batman or so many other titles that he's worked on, um, he and his wife, they went through coronavirus firsthand. Mm-hmm. And he, having recovered from it, used his impressive powers of communication give a very clear, uh, very effective account of what that was like. And, it, it, you know, there were terrible details in there. Mm-hmm. And my heart went out to him. But I got to tell you, I, I owe Joe a thanks because the reading of it and the acknowledgement of what these symptoms were did two things at the same time. Well, the one my, you know, my heart went out to Joe, showing him, he and his wife. Second, um, it it calmed my paranoia down significantly, because I have allergies in the spring, right? Mm-hmm. And as you've heard all through the show, I have this dry cough, which is one 
of the uh, symptoms, right? And when Joe's going through all the symptoms, all the things, all the hellacious stuff he went through, I'm like, okay, so I don't have to worry. Uh, this is just allergies. <laughs> so I hate to be self-centered in that way, but it was a side effect I didn't expect. And I thank Joe for that. That's the second thing. And then third was the being able to read the ride so I'm more informed mm -hmm. of what that ride is like and therefore more able to empathize with those who have lost someone, those who are have someone who's in isolation, those who are suffering. Yeah. And also less empathy for those who are saying this is a hoax. Right. Oh. Because they're, you know, the real witness, you know, they're starting to speak up now. So go and Google Joe Illidge, J-O-E-I-L-L-I-D-G-E and coronavirus. Yeah. And you read yourself a real well-written, of course, clear and effective account of what that experience actually is. And let me, and, let, me let, let me jump. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump on the tail end of your remark, but let me also say. I didn't know where that tail end was going to be, so you probably yeah, did me a so favor. Yeah, so much. I, I just switched <laughs> over it, yeah. Um, but I want to <coughs> piggyback off of, of that as well and say that um, I have a dear friend, dear family friend. We, you know, we've known this family up in Maine for over 30 years, um, way over. And their three kids and my three kids are, they all know each other. You know, they've grown up separate spaces, but visiting together. So we've grown up together. But uh, weeks ago, the husband, Pete, became very ill from, from uh, COVID-19 and was rushed to the hospital. I mean, he went in one day because he didn't feel good. And they said, no, no, you're fine. Go home. They, they sent him home because he wasn't in a severe situation. The very next day, he was right back there. And this time they had to take him. And he, he went, it, it went bad. We thought we were going to lose him. Uh, they had to put him on a ventilator. They had to put him in a drug-induced coma for several days. During that time, his kidney failed. Uh, they had to do dialysis on him. And he's got three wonderful daughters and a wonderful wife, and none of them can get anywhere near him and vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, and because he lives with, you know, two of the daughters, are, they're all grown up now. The daughters are all grown up, but two of them live other, uh, in other locations. But the wife and the youngest daughter live in the same house with him. So there was also the concern about them coming down with it. Sure. And losing the husband. This is all this stuff that they were going through in these weeks. And to shorten the story, the daughter did come down with it. She got through it. She's fine. Thank goodness. Mm. She's he went through all this. And part of what happened is people were saying, we don't have this miracle drug that was being experimented. I'm not even going to try and pronounce it right now. Uh, it wasn't even in the state. New York had gotten something like 4,000 units. Maine had zip. So people started writing letters to the governor of Maine. 300 letters in 48 hours hit that office. Wow. And the governor's wrote back going, okay, we got it. We got over 300 letters here. Stop the, we're, we're talking to these people. We're talking to, we're working with the hospital. So that got government moving. Not they were like, you know, indifferent, but it got them, it lit the fire. And the, the, the drug did show up, not just for Pete to have the potential benefit of it. Cause you know, it's not a guarantee, but now it was there for other patients to also have that, that possible benefit. The longer story I will condense to yesterday, which is Saturday, the 18th of April, Pete went home. Great. Standing up. 
standing up, standing tall. He went home, followed by uh, or escorted by a police car, followed by a line of cars. That when he got to his driveway, he and his wife stepped out of their vehicle and they're waving at the first couple of cars. They realize there is this line of cars waiting and they all drive out. You would have thought it was a motorcade for the president of the United States. People honking their horns, FedEx trucks, all this stuff, honking their horns and talking. The dog wanting to get to him, you know. Yeah. It was that kind of image of a, a fighter who made it through this horrific scenario. So there are people who are making it through, and, are, and that news is becoming impossible to ignore. The Joe Illiages are people who are writing articles about it or stepping on mm -hmm. in front of a camera or a microphone and talking about it. The news media is starting to cover the down-home folks, not just mm -hmm. the celebrities, but the down-home folks. It's real. And there's good and there's bad news. And we need to be able to face that, as you put it, to heal from some of these experiences, to not be afraid to talk about it, and to know that we're not in this alone. And that that's not just a, a marketing phrase, we're all in this together. It's a reality. Across the globe, we are all in this together. And if you see the cars and they're honking, let them honk, and you hear the clapping, clap along, yep. you know, that's, that's touching somebody that really needs it. Yeah, that's you know, It is what it is. Don't, don't be the grump on the block. So I hope that this stuff has been helpful. And now I'd like to turn to page 12 okay. in your hymnal. Yes. <laughs> Please join hands. Yeah, that's right. Uh, metaphorically. Yeah. Um, no, I, first. the other conversation that is starting to go on is what does it look like after? Or what does after look like? Mm -hmm. You know, and the, we do have wildly different opinions. Some people throwing darts at a, a calendar and say, oh, this day will be done. Okay, there's no science to support that. God bless you. Um, others are, you know, it was great. There was a, um, you know, a conversation where uh, someone was saying, you know, no one has the right to tell me to stay home. This is my body. I have the right. And, you know. Well, the woman who was responding said, oh, you're saying the government cannot interfere with what you do with your body. Tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, in, you know, it's inspiring some interesting conversations. Um, uh, yeah. Shoe on other foot. Insert. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, you know, you, you, you can't have it both ways. But um, don't say that out loud. It'll make some people nervous. Well, I don't, you know, and it's those are not those are not issues for the, you know, for for this uh, episode. Episode, right? but I think we do have to think about what comes next, you know. And some people already are, you know. We can see in the ads they're already starting the market of the idea of going back to normal, and you gotta be aware, you gotta be vigilant of that stuff, mm -hmm. and you have to be. I, I think it's dangerous to watch multiple hours of any station you know because it's all programming it's you know all it's just like oh i'm gonna watch my programs yeah you're gonna be programmed too so yeah. turn it off and think for yourselves you know and go to a bunch of different sources and hear a bunch of different uh, uh opinions and then think for yourself yeah. and what it, you know 
which of those things are more valid and why, you know, why thinking it through is, is your best, uh, weapon at this point. But then what happens afterwards? You know, what is the movie theater of the next big Marvel movie going to look like? You know, I know they're going to start baseball very soon out in Arizona and New Mexico with empty stadiums. And that's beautiful because, man, I am dying to sit down and watch a Yankee game, you know. And you will have uh, less problem getting tickets. Yes, that's for sure. You know, but eventually because, you know, capitalist society, they're going to sell those tickets, you know, and it amuses me. I don't want to be a cynic, but it amuses me when people say, well, you know what they're going to do? They're only going to sell every third or fourth seat. No, that's, that's not how capitalism works. <laughs> you know? So we should really start spending some time thinking about, well, what does that look like for the foreseeable future until we have vaccinations that, you know, reduce this to the flu shot or reduce this to, you know, you get that one shot when you're in second or third grade and you're done for life, you know? Until then... Are we thinking about, you know, attending a public event with everyone wearing gloves and a mask? Could be. You know, is is, is that what that is like? Um, is it all going to be like it is at a supermarket now where everyone lines up outside, certain degree of uh, feet, a certain number of feet apart, mm-hmm. and you go through it? You go through the local supermarket where we are now, and there are arrows on the floor, and you must follow those arrows. And Follow the arrows, and and there's tape marks to tell you where to stand while waiting for that cash register that's mm-hmm. 18 feet in front of you. Yeah. And, Every, yeah. and let's take a moment to salute that, because they're trying to solve the problem mm-hmm. so that people can get what they need and all that sort of stuff, and, you know, credit where it's due, right? Um If you asked me in Christmas what this summer was going to look like, you know, I got a pretty good imagination, but I couldn't have told you this. No. You know, Um, and this is reality. And now we're starting to see segments of the society revolting and and, and arguing back and forth. And that divisiveness is coming back. And I had to start promoting uh, my novel, A Simple Rebellion, because... I have a fear that that's going to start moving away from the fiction shelf and over to the <laughs> over to the nonfiction shelf. <laughs> there are elements of that book that have come true, and I don't. You know, it, it was meant as a very dark comedy and a horror and a, a social warning. You know. Everybody get over themselves on all sides and start talking to each other or else this is our future. And it's a, it's a bleak fic, uh, future. Uh, interesting. Um, the worst possible candidate for protagonist, right? A depressed comedian. Yeah, he's, the <laughs> so, he's a um, hero. Yeah. He's a hero. Yeah. Um, but I, I, it's, it's unnerving how close it is coming to truth and i would have never expected that when i first put it out well you know once once again uh, when we talk about creatives and and i'm not even going to qualify that as in you know the successful ones versus the ones who are struggling 
or the celebrities versus the unknown, creatives, people who are really opening their mind, doing major observation of life and the human condition, taking in the information, filtering it through their own personal beliefs and realizations, you will hit the bullseye time to time on a small or large scale because it is thinking and processing. It's, it's almost like being a life detective. There's enough human history to make certain deductions and assumptions on how we function, how we act. Very little of what's happening now hasn't happened since, I mean, go back as far as the Roman era. You're going to find examples of this kind of stuff all through human history. How we deal with it, that the prayer, especially back in the 60s, was that we've, we've learned. We're now going to start moving towards peace and, and togetherness and harmony. Okay, and I wasn't into this, you know, some of the sidebar stuff, so screw the drugs, you know, and, 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 and the, the, the sort of the, the mind, what do they used to call them, the oil fields of sex, the sexual oil fields where, you know, orgies and things like that. Put all that to the side. We're talking where, where, where are those? <laughs> yeah, where are those did, you take, did you take down addresses? Uh, what? I can't believe you said yeah. that on a Sunday, Alex. Yeah, well, no, the, the, the reality is human nature. We've looked at it, seen it, and supposedly in the 60s we were hoping that we would, we would get past the race divisiveness and we'd get past the gender divisiveness and we'd get past religious divisiveness. And we would finally start pulling this planet together on a social human level. Okay, that didn't quite work out the way we thought. You know, we were young, we were, we were cool, we were full of ourselves. But some things did change. Some things did change. Some of the, the jobs and relationships and things that we have now, we wouldn't have had if the 60s hadn't happened. And so the, part of the trick now is not to backslide into that nonsense that existed back in the 30s and, and, and beyond. But ultimately, where are we going from here? What have we learned from this experience that's supposed to benefit us going forward? And when you mention, you know, the people who are now, you know, you know, they're, they're, you know anger is a really great tool for getting people to do stupid stuff. You know, it doesn't matter, again, what race, culture, it doesn't matter. Gets people pissed off enough and they will make the wrong choice almost every time. So most assuredly, if I don't have a job and I'm worried about food and keeping my house and the banks don't give a flying scroll as if they're immune to what's been going on, they're going to demand this or someone's going to demand it. I'm mad. I'm mad. I got to get back to work. Okay, I get that. I absolutely get that. It makes total sense to me that you're scared and you're angry. Instead of dealing with it like, I'm scared and I'm angry, I'm going to lose my house, what steps can we all do to save us if it comes us against them? And yeah. I think one of those lessons that we are supposed to learn from this thing is there is no us in them. There never has been. It's a construct. This disease did not go, let's attack only the Chinese. Let's attack only the Europeans. It didn't do that. Let's attack only the men. Mm -mm. And when we thought, well, it's only going to attack the old people, it went and grabbed some people mid-range, grabbed a few kids. It doesn't care. And I think I mentioned in one of our episodes not that far back about this old movie from the late 50s, early 60s with the comedian Terry Thomas. It's about World Health Organization, and it's a, it's a thing about cholera 
and it's a comedy drama. But some of the things said in that movie, <laughs> what's happening right now? And one of his lines is, disease understands uh, something like, um, we're all one, one, one something or other, even if we don't know it, you know? Yeah. What, what did we say? Was 60 years ago we got this? 70 years ago we, we knew this? What, we forgot again? So I think going forward again, it falls on us as people, but also on us as, and, and particularly you and I as writers, it falls on the creatives to remind us of what the hell it is we were supposed to get from this. I think that yeah. we as creatives, and, and again, this is me on my soapbox for a moment, we as creatives, especially those of us who get it, it's not about us and them. It's not about, once again, blowing the horn of, uh, of distress and, and anger and bigotry and whatever else. It's negative. It's about saying, if we're going to get through this, we have to get through it together, and we have to build more of that psyche in our heads because there's going to be more stuff out there that's going to come at us as a, as a species, not as a particular okay. country or gender or religion. I agree with you. But, but. <laughs> uh, former journalist here, Bronx native here, you know, yeah. um, they had some baked in cynicism. Oh, yeah. So one of the things that I would just say is watch what people do, not what they say, you know. You're quoting oh, I'm going to give way. you a, a stimulus sounds great, but it's really going to be added to your taxes next year. And you know, we're going to give you a, a three-month furlough on uh, your um, your mortgage, but the fourth month you have to pay all four months. Read the fine print, everybody. Be aware of what's going on, and act accordingly. Mm-hmm. You know we. Not every one of us is joining hands. And this is not about politics. This is about every one of us surviving the best we can and not being played in the process. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It just it is what it is. You yeah. just have to be aware or else we're gonna suffer consequences. I don't. I don't agree with that at all. I mean, I nothing. Nothing that that we're saying here that may have an optimistic or positive sound has anything to do with being naive, blind, or stupid. Right. <laughs> no, no, I don't mean we can we can be stubbornly, right. defiantly yeah. optimistic. Yeah. And and you know what? I don't know that I can get through a day without being that. You know, I think that's. Most writers write, most creatives create, because there is a belief. It might be a belief that's underneath a lot of hurt or a lot of skepticism. But if you didn't believe, if you didn't have heart, if you didn't love, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't care. Yeah. It is what it is. Why would you be writing a book? I mean, some people will do this, but why would you be writing a book or a song or choreographing a, a new dance or whatever? If you didn't believe there is a tomorrow, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. really, what? That does not mean that every creative has escaped being a jerk. No, there's many jerks out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think it's a school. We, we I'm hope like, that, I'm getting better. Uh, yeah. 
Say what, sir? I'm sorry. I said I think there's a school for it because some of them are getting better at it. Better just, and better. Yeah. It's a master's degree is what I Yeah, have. master's degree. Um, jerk what, jerkassery? Yeah, jerkassery. There you go, yeah. Jerkassery. Assholery, I think it was. Yeah, assholery. No, that's, that's you have to go back for that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you want to perfect your assholian tendency? Yes, that's Come right. Come to us. We'll teach you, yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, the language is getting salty. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't want Mama Wiley kind of again. Oh, us a little, hey, yeah. what are you doing? She'll let us slide this time. I let hope so. Slide. We apologize. Yeah. On a Sunday, misbehaving yeah. on a Sunday, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're just telling the truth. We just, we just, we're just putting down the word. We're just putting down the so word. What we do hope is that having this conversation in some way helps, and in some way offered uh, pointed in the directions of things you might be interested in seeing, you might need to see to help heal or hear or read. Mm -hmm. um, part of telling the damn story is, you know, making sure everybody survives so they can, you know, read the, hear the story. We need yeah. to complete the You're, circle, read, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, well, and, and we I, we wish know, everybody the best on this. And we you know your health and be safe. Yeah, I think you're right too. It's the the part of the health, you know, it's not just the physical, but part of the mental and emotional health is don't feel you've got to hide this, that you've got to keep this inside, you've got to choke on it. That's that's not what you do. You you do tell the story, even if it's just to the person next to you on the phone or on on Skype or whatever it is that you're talking to. Don't feel like you gotta, you know, keep this in a, some sort of a ball hidden under the bed. You know, sometimes that, that social emotional can come out physically. We hung a heavy bag in the basement. Ah! I put the gloves on yesterday. Yeah. I was exhausted when I finished, but I felt a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. Well, you got to do what you need to do yeah. to get it out of your system. Don't keep it in. Don't let it affect you that way. And uh, find ways to be creative and to tell that damn story. Absolutely. Stay safe, everybody. You got it. Take care. Peace, brother. Peace, everybody.